Welcome back to the Mail-In Podcast. Use my afternoon radio voice. This is Brett Merriman and Sally DeFreeze in the afternoon. Drive time radio. Happy birthday to Fritz DeFreeze. 420, Sally, how are you? I, I'm like shocked by what just happened. Okay. It's I'm pretty great. good, right? I'm great. Fritz is having a great 420. Yeah. Shouts to my friend who just had a baby today as well. Another 420 baby. Birthday buddies. We love to see it. Love to see it. Has Fritz, uh, did you did you smoke weed with your son today? No. Okay. Just we wondering. Did, we did not do that. At third birthday party, Uncle Brett and Uncle Randy will take him out on the town. I don't think he's going to do that no? either. Okay. A couple of years. We'll see. What's decades. going on? Uh, you know, we uh, we took him to lunch, and uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's muggy as hell outside. Oh, it is soupy. Uh, it's officially soupy season. Now, the front comes in tonight. Tomorrow afternoon is going to be lovely. Absolutely lovely. Is it, though? Yes. Like, it feels like I stepped into like a steamy shower, like a steam shower, if you will. Oh, just outside. you do have one of those. I have one, so I know what it feels <laughs> like. And I wasn't expecting it. I don't feel like it was that bad this morning. No, it wasn't. And then I walked outside, and it... It says the humidity is only 68%. So here's the, here's the thing, though. 68% humidity, it is not – I hate how it's big, at the It's at the temperature. It yeah, like it's more, more about the dew point. And so the dew point right now is 72 degrees. Uh, and that – anywhere between – anywhere above 70 is usually sort of uh, an oppressive situation. Maybe 75 is oppressive. Yeah. 70 to 75 is like brutally muddy. Yeah. If you're in New Orleans, sometimes you'll touch those 80 dew points that are like literally you feel like you're in a swamp, but you get above 75 and it's it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Or excuse me, you would above 70 even and you don't want to go outside. It is officially soupy, but tomorrow, Sally, this is live on air, big weather, uh, according to my app, the dew point in the morning, 64, it drops down to the mid 50s by tomorrow afternoon. So that's when you get some beautiful air coming in. Do you know what the percentage of humidity of the air that's at the base of your lungs is? I have no idea. 100%. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that like a medical reason or is yep. that a... Uh... As you breathe in, you humidify mm. all of the... That's Interesting. That's why you have little hairs in your nose and stuff. Is that why when you like go for a run on a cold day and your lungs feel like they're on fire, it's because the air in your lungs is cold and... And then wet and just like in miserable. I don't know. Speaking of medical things, can you explain the Tiger Woods surgery to us, Sally? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Tiger, uh, earlier today, Tiger underwent a sub Taylor S U B T A L A R fusion procedure to address his post traumatic arthritis from his previous talus fracture. So I think it's a sub Taylor. Sub Taylor, yeah. Uh, what? Is that his foot? His sub-taller fusion procedure to address his post-traumatic arthritis from his previous talus fracture. Do a little uh, uh, yeah, it's, anatomy. Yeah, it's a bone. Nice. Okay. Uh, Doesn't sound good. Yeah, he's had a lot of spinal surgeries, which is way worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll take the foot. Yeah, foot. Well, a foot's not great either because you can't walk. No. Can't Not ideal. Put pressure on it. You got to keep that shit elevated. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. The old rice method. 
Isn't, didn't somebody like debunk that? Isn't aren't you like not supposed to do all of those? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it depends on where it is and stuff. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, so. Okay. What's Zalatoris having? Uh, he had tum tum issues. That's for sure. I thought he was getting back surgery. He is. Uh, Zalatoris. This is great radio. This is really good. Good podcast. Uh, micro dis dis discectomy. Yes, I didn't know where I was going with that C. You I know if it was going to be a yes, discectomy. Yeah. That doesn't sound great. A little herniated disc action. They just like take out your disc, basically. Yeah. I. You know what? I used to think that you just pop those sucker back in. No, it, it is just, hey, this thing's herniated. Take it out. I'm going to tell you something. Oh, no. Unless you like absolutely have to have spine surgery. Don't. Don't. Don't get talked into spine surgery. Eesh. I don't want, uh, yeah. The spine don't do and, it. Spine and neck surgery freaked me out uh, to begin with. Uh, even like a chiropractor, that's scary. I mean, because they can just, yeah, one one snap in their lawsuit. Yeah. I don't have any dependents. Let's give my life insurance policy to Randy. Let's move on. Yeah, we should do that. We're the mail-in podcast. We answer your questions. Maybe get a laugh and walk away with something useful, like spinal surgery advice. (laughs) How can you help us out? Tell a friend about the pod. Send some clips. Uh, Follow on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. Hit the hotline number 888-362-MAIL. That is 888-362-6245. Or you can write in at the link in the Twitter bio at mail-in podcast. Hit up the store, washmedia.shop, and hit up the YouTube to see our lovely faces, youtube.com, mail-in, or slash mail-in podcast, in lovely 4K. See how frizzy my hair looks today. I was going we to make a comment. I did my hair today for it. Well, I did, but I'm just saying because of how humid it is, it looks like I didn't do shit. Mm, the humidity is tough. It's yeah. tough. I'm not a humid guy. You want to go uh, first, Sally? Yeah. Hey, guys. My fiance and I have a tasting coming up this week. Do you tip at a wedding tasting? Thanks. Love the question. I don't know. I don't either. I would just, mm, I'm going to say no. Uh, you obviously pay for the wedding tasting, right? Right. Like a meal. Yep. And you have, in my experience of wedding tasting, which is uh, zero, do you go through like a bite of each course? Uh, a bite of cake? Is the cake tasting the same as the wedding food tasting? Are you also doing a signature cocktail at this point? I, here's the the deal. I don't know mm. because we never did one. <laughs> and okay. I assume that when you do a tasting, they bring out like little, like tapas size portions mm-hmm. for you to taste all the different. It's just so, like, how do you do a steak and be like, here, have a little nibble? For me, I'm, I'm going to err on the side of don't tip because you're already, it's your, your caterer who you've already hired. Okay. Right? That's Yeah. I'm thinking of like if you're at a venue and you're in the venue's dining room, for example, and they're like, oh, we're going to bring this out and that out and this out. And at the end of the day, there's going to be just a literal tab. Because I, I was under the impression, again, if you have gone to a wedding tasting and tipped or not tipped or you're a wedding planner or a caterer or a chef, let us know. In the comments, I guess, uh, <laughs> or on the Reddit, I'm sure someone will yell at me. I, uh, I like 
would just assume you're paying the caterer like a flat fee yeah. that you usually tip on top of that. Yeah, you tip the caterer at the, at the end right. of the shebang. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. I think when we were planning ours, it was like, okay, we're we're going to pay you this much okay. per person to cater the wedding. And then we're going to just do a tasting menu and that's going to be like in part of the package. That's part of the that's part of the initial package. You're not necessarily you're you're tipping at the end. Right. I that think that's, is that was my fair. thought process. I don't know if that's right. Yeah. I, I guess I could have done some research, but like my cursory Google research is going to be the same as this person's cursory Google research. So like I like the not dot look it up yourself. Like, I don't know. Uh I don't I don't know. I would say maybe if you're doing a tasting at uh, maybe it's a restaurant venue, you know, like a bit, I call it a non-traditional wedding venue. Maybe you're getting yeah. married at a vineyard or something, you know, something like that. And you're going there for a tasting day of that. They're going to provide all the food later. Um, but yeah, if you have a couple glasses of wine and some cake and, and some appetizers, I'll probably leave a tip if it's just like, Hey, here's my bill for today. And it's $400 yeah. or whatever. I think that's probably fair to tip on, but I, I would guess it's situational based on the type of catering or food vendor you have uh i had this conversation with a, i just realized that my tag is still on my dress it's definitely still on your that's yeah, cool i'm just yeah. gonna tuck that in really yeah, fast. Okay. uh i had this conversation with some friends recently are we as a society tipping on too much shit yeah oh yeah like i i don't want to say that people like don't deserve tips but like and i probably sound like larry david right now but like I feel like we need to draw a line. Here's what here's what I'm going to say. During COVID, okay. when we were picking up food from everybody, but we were still tipping because we were trying to support. Yeah, that that was a support system that has continued. That's continued, as has, in my opinion, way too much parking devoted to takeout. I love that take. There is so or much curbside. fucking curbside. I, it's like. It's crazy. You get two spots. Yes. Okay. This is an issue at Matzel Rancho, which is why we could not park there the other day. They have like 20 spots devoted. I'm like, no one's taking out it's, from you anymore. I know. So does Lupe. It's so does Carve. It's, it's insane. Randy, how good was our parking spot last week? Oh, we got pre We got, parking. we were, but, we were VIP. But that you was get, the worst I've ever seen Matt's. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah Matt, Matt's is insane now. I mean, insane. were y'all there on Friday? Yeah. I have never seen it like that in my life crazy i but part of it is because all of those parts i'm like no one There's is 20 spot taking out mm -hmm. on a friday at 5 p.m no one's doing it but anyway i think we got in that like we have to do this i uh, here's another thing someone asked me the other day like should i tip on botox uh no you don't tip don't on know. medical care <laughs> see now no, but that's i tip my doctor growing up really dr kella yeah Okay, well, you're not supposed to. Like, literally, they tell you, like, anytime you're, like, doing medical, like, any, what? like, in the medical field, they're like, you should not accept tips. Like, what? we can accept food gifts. We will always accept food. We love food. But, like, mm. you, we can't accept, like, any tips. It's medical care. Like, that. So, when you're, if you're getting your... Botox done or your lip filler or anything like that. I was going to say, where do you draw the line? And it's well, kind of like there's some, the like you need a cosmetology degree plus a, a nursing degree, right? To, no, to... you need a nursing degree or you need a medical, okay. scientific medical degree. So you yeah. either need to be, I think that there are some laws around that depending on where you're practicing, but 
for the most part, someone who is a doctor or nurse should be, or a PA should be doing your medical treatments, even if that is cosmetic. I know that there are some things around that. Like I think in Texas, you can have a certain type of esthetician degree and then practice under a doctor. Okay. But in my opinion, that is medical care. And even if you're doing it at a med spa versus like a dermatologist office, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't tip your dermatologist except for like apparently in freaking Saratoga. And you, so you shouldn't be tipping on Botox or lip filler or interesting, you know, whatever other thing they're doing to you. And they're already they're they're expensive as is. So do you so uh, I mean, hair, nails, waxing, spray tans, those are all cosmetic. That's all cosmetic. cosmetic. Tip on the, I I believe yes, you tip on that. Did I, do I tip? I've gotten a couple spray tans. I don't know if I've tipped on them. They ask you if you want to tip. Oh, shoot. They hate me. <laughs> I don't think I am. Do you tip on counter service places? Sally, every time I stick my freaking card in somewhere, I feel like I'm supposed to. I just I just got $1,200 of fucking auto repair done, and I was half expecting there to be like a 20% little tab on the, on the little reader. No, because for me, I'm like, if someone's fixing my car. Like labor is your tip. It, it is... It's disgusting what my bill is. It's like $200 worth of parts and $1,000 worth of labor. Yeah. It is crazy. Which like, hey, power to them. I needed some stuff done and they got it done and it runs great. But it, it is. That's out of control. Now I want to t- I'm, I want to tip everywhere. Car wash, I'm like, do I, like, do I tip? I don't know. I'm, well, I I'm think a tipping a car guy. car wash, someone's drying your – and like vacuuming well, your I car. Don't, and I don't carry cash. So now I feel weird like – the valet guys all take cards now, but then, like, do I tip on that? I'm going to pick up my own car. Do I? Here's the thing. Oh, man. This is what happened the other day. Yeah. And then we'll stop this question. We'll just move on to the okay. next one. We were at Uchiko. Yeah. We valeted our car. Yes. It's complimentary valet, but we're going to obviously tip You tip guy. on top of, right. I don't have cash, but he has the little, like, Venmo cash app, like, QR code. Yeah. So I scan the Venmo. I tip... I put like the date and mm-hmm. the place and he, as I'm getting my keys goes, how much did you tip? I need to know for the Venmo. And I'm like, why, why would you, it's your personal Venmo. Why would you need to know? It's clear that like, I put like Uchiko valet. So mm-hmm. I'm like, now it's awkward. Cause he like knows how much, I mean, I said $5, sure. which is what yeah, I gave him. That's, that's but what I'm like, what, what is he going to do if I'm like, Oh, I gave you $5,000. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, just, I do. I I'm do, like, I do. why do you have to know? It's I, weird. Yeah. No, no, no. You're, like, you're going to see it anyway. You got a million Venmo tips that night, and all of them probably say Uchiko Valet with like yeah. the day. You're not just going to put like a, a or tomato like Or emoji. like a car emoji. But like you can't figure that out for your own Venmo. Yeah, I see. I see. He's, he's doing some sort of like tax situation thing so he can separate. But he's just remembering that as he's grabbing my keys and then yeah. going for the next person's keys. It was weird. I don't know. It weirded me out. That is weird. I was like, $5. Hope that's enough. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, I think that's fine on a complimentary valet. Unless like if unless your car has some sort of – like unless you're, you're parking a tour bus. No, honestly, I was like more annoyed because I could have walked out to my car. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah. reason I valeted – 
is because there's like no parking there. The whole parking lot is valet. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. And my car was like three cars away when we yeah. got outside. I was like, uh-huh. I'll just take the keys. I can just walk to my car myself. I do that every time I go to Sammy's if I valet because the parking lot. The Sammy's lot, valet it, is stupid. It's great. It's 12 bucks, first of all. And your car is always right there. Literally nine feet from the, yeah. from the door. Yeah. Um, a, a skit I thought of the other day that if we had a like a Wash Media scripted comedy series. Like an SNL situation? Yeah, yeah, kind of, but like funnier. Um, A skit would be to deliver a baby and the doctor comes in and is like, oh, I'm so happy for you guys. It's like, here's the, here's our, here's, you know, like the barista, uh, you put your card in and it's like, do you want to throw 20% on that? Yeah. It's like, ooh, no. It's funnier if if we With the acting, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fast growing trees, Sally. Big fan of fast-growing trees. Breathe some life into your own backyard with fastgrowingtrees.com this spring. From from shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, let fastgrowingtrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. Fastgrowingtree.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate from Meyer Lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Um, Randy, I want to go, I want to throw it to you first here. You, uh, buddy, you, 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 you went off as the kids say here. what did you get it from fastgrowingtrees.com? Um, I got a palm okay. and I got a money tree and I got a small house plant. That I don't know the name of it, but it said it was limited time or special edition. So I had to get that. Obviously. You know what my favorite part about the website is? Because, like, we have had a plant that we have – it's a tree, but we have killed it, not from fast growing. Mm. I literally searched by, like, ease of growth, like, yes. or, like, hard to kill or whatever it was. I was like, yeah, I like, I need house and I need low light, low maintenance. And I, like, clicked it all off and I was like, great, that's what I'm buying. Yep. They have a very uh, – their their filter system is fantastic. So – you can go in by you enter your address, your zip code. It tells you what growth zone you're in, so which stuff is gonna is gonna work best with your 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 area, your geography. Yeah. Uh, it'll tell you what works best: low light, minimal light, no light. It'll it kind of like, hey, does your porch get twelve hours a day, or does yeah. it get like four? Um, That's and, the and, kind of expertise I needed. Right. Exactly. And uh, underrated thing here, and something you should absolutely be careful of: it tells you whether. Uh, or not, these plants are harmful to dogs, cats, etc. I also looked that up, yes. pet safe, because I have made the mistake of buying not pet, pet safe plants before and then had someone be like, you shouldn't have that in your house. If your dog eats that, she's going to die. Exactly, exactly. I myself have a uh, a lime bush uh-huh. headed my way uh, to do fresh margaritas, along with a blueberry bush, to probably just do other stuff with them. For bushels of blueberries? Mm-hmm. Blueberry wow. margaritas. There we go. Blueberry, Blueberry marks. Pie. Blueberry pie. Randy. Almost as American as apple pie. I, I put it up there. Yeah. Yeah. No more waiting in lawn lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. And with Fast Growing Trees 30-Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. So here's the deal. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash mail in now to get 15% off your entire order. Again, get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash mail in. 
Uh, Brett and Sally, first time, long time. Quick question that's probably more geared towards Sally. Ready for the cell? Yeah. My husband and I had our first baby six months ago, and it's been a tough but incredible journey. I've worked my ass off in the gym post-baby, and I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. My husband and I had a very healthy and fun, intimate life pre-baby, and I'm finally to the point of self-confidence to ignite the fire again, if you will. I'm wanting to spice things up a bit for him with some tasteful nudes or perhaps some new lingerie. I've obviously been out of the game for a while now. I would love any advice here on a subject that seems to be shameful if discussed, but absolutely should not be. Thanks for your help. Good for you. And congrats on your child. And congrats on the child, yeah. Um, okay, so a couple things. It, I, to me, it doesn't sound like they have like a intimacy problem. No, it's they're just, just ready to get... wants to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on the lingerie front, mm-hmm. I feel like it's really easy for people to be like, okay, like I don't really know what to look for. Like, am I going to go to Victoria's Secret? And then you're like, ugh. Okay, I guess. I mean, Victoria's Secret, I think, has some cute stuff. But if you're, like, looking Mm -hmm. to find some, like, new cool brands, the way I go about shopping in general is to get on somewhere like Shopbop or Revolve and just, like, search the tab for stuff you like. Um, There are some really cute, affordable brands. I mean, especially if you're, like, wanting something fun but you don't want to, like, go over the top, like – I don't know. Some people are like lingerie people. Sure. And some people are not. The, I, lingerie showers feel like they're popping up now. Kind Those of have been a, around for a long time. Okay. Well. Um, but likely, like for most people, yeah. that's the only time that they like get lingerie. Got it. It's like okay. right before their wedding from their girlfriends at a bachelorette party. Okay. Very few people, at least in my circles, are like going around buying lingerie because it seems almost like a – um. Not even like a taboo thing, but like an unnecessary thing. Okay. Because you're just like, okay, I'm just going to like buy my regular hanky pankies and bras and like I don't need to like spend a bunch of money on like a La Perla set. So especially if it's like you're just trying to like make things fun, but you're not like really wanting to throw down a lot of money, get on Revolve, search the laundry tab. So same with Shop Bob, find things you like. There are a couple brands out there that have like – um. I would say like mid-range price points, even like on the cheaper mm-hmm. end, that don't feel cheaply made. They look nice. You would like want to wear them and you won't be like breaking the bank. So you're not like, okay, I'm going to like spice things up, but I just spent $2,000. Like oh, you could do Can it for do a couple hundred dollars. Like the Perla, which is like a very famous lingerie brand, like a bra could be like $250. Oh my God. And we're talking like this much fabric, like- it's a napkin. Like nothing. But oh that it's designer goodness. lingerie. I mean, that's like – that's there's stuff that's like way more pricey than that. So for me, I'm of the mindset of like this is probably just going to get taken off. You know, that's, like that's the, that's I, my I'm not like a porn star that, yeah. or like somebody who's like everyone's seeing what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. But I want some like pretty nice stuff. So um, start there. Then if you want to go to the brands yourselves – I have actually found stuff that I really liked on Revolver Shop Up and then went and got it on Zappos for cheaper. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Can I, are you good? Are you, are you lingerie? Yeah. Ask. Sorry. From a, 
from a, a, a male perspective who uh, who doesn't have a child, nor uh-huh. do I birth children, I would be so hyper sensitive and hesitant to initiate intimacy after having a child because like I knew or I know that you y'all just went through like the you get cleared by your doctor at six weeks. Okay. So your doctor signs off and then I'm but I'm sure there's it's like a I don't know. As help somebody and I'm sure this guy's probably had kind of like a you know can I initiate? Do I do I hold off? Like who it's gotta be from from the female right the for no, at least the first couple times i don't times. think so i mean i feel like for most people who've had babies unless you had some like crazy delivery or something happened sure most doctors will sign off on you at six weeks okay to be intimate got it most people at least in my experience with myself and friends at six weeks is like Probably the amount of time as well that it takes you to like mentally come back from like having a child. Cause like mm-hmm. for six weeks, the really around eight weeks, probably the first eight weeks of like having a newborn are like, what the fuck did we do? <laughs> I like have no clue what day it is. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think, especially for first time parents, I think as it, as you progress and you had more kids, it's like a little easier to like come back and get into your normal routine. But like, yeah. that's such a, curveball life change like sex is so on the back burner just because like mm-hmm. mentally you are not right right ready right. for that um okay and then moving on to the the boudoir, uh like the nude boudoir photos mm-hmm. you could either do a couple things here you can take nudes of yourself just do a couple mirror selfies i like I, this goes without saying but obviously like know your angles <laughs> You know, you're doing a mirror selfie. Yeah. Here's a tip for everyone doing a mirror selfie. If you tilt your phone a little bit down, is it a little bit down or a little bit up? I think it's a little bit down. It makes you look. Mm. Just play with the tilting of your phone. Don't do it straight on. Just sure. go up and like tilt down a little bit or, and it makes you look a little more slender. Gotcha. Instead of like going from below and getting your double chin or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Uh, or you could ha- like do a boudoir shoot, in which case you'd have to find a photographer or if you – I have once done the photography for a friend's boudoir shoot. It was not great because I am not a professional photographer and turns out I am not a good director. Interesting. Okay. So I'm just going to say if you if you want them to be nice photos, like actually get a photographer who like knows how to direct you. And most people like you can find that on Instagram. You could ask even you could ask your like wedding photographer if they have any like recommendations because a lot of people who are in the industry like know each other. Mm-hmm. And you could freaking ask your f- newborn baby photographer like, hey, do you have any friends who do like adult shoots? You know, they're not like they all know each other and each other's expertises. So yeah, yeah, yeah. asking around is helpful i would leave that if you're going to do any like lingerie shoots boudoir etc like leave it in the hands of professionals if you want to like snap some nudes and, like send them his way like that, More power that, that to can you. be amateur hour who cares it can it make can. sure he's not at work like with his screen up yeah i have accidentally done that i think mm. while will was recording one time so oh, there you go <laughs> uh I just I I, I want to finish this question by saying, good for you. Like that is that's an awesome, like you you worked your ass off to get in post baby shape, 
best shape of your life. And now you're like, fuck it, let's show it off. Here's a bit. what I am gonna say too. Mm-hmm. Don't put too much thought into it. Oh yeah. Like sure. as a guy, Brett, doesn't are you up, yeah. if you're getting like <laughs> any lingerie or any nude, are you just like <laughs> This is not well done enough for me. Nope. Lighting's not great. Like, I don't think anybody cares. I think that they're like so psyched about the effort that it's like, okay, we're like awesome. It's a uh it's a binary system over here. Yeah, you're it's either great or it's not. And mm-hmm. not is the only time it's not great is when you're not getting it. So like, who cares? It's like pizza, Sally. I'll be honest with you. It's yeah. like, yeah, is it the best slice I've ever seen? Had no, but it's pizza. Yeah. Any effort at all is welcome. Welcome and commended, and we'll probably be rewarded. Uh, you want the next one? Yeah. What's up, Team Malin? Question today has to do with first birthday parties. My best friend and his wife are throwing a first birthday party for their one-year-old daughter next month, and I have zero clue what to get her. They're the first of my friends to have a kid, so I have nothing to compare to, and to make matters worse for me as a gift giver, the little girl seems to have every toy and pajama set in the world. Wondering if you have any suggestions for a great gift. All brilliant ideas would be appreciated. Much love to you all, and thank you. Um, This is easy, too. You DM Randy, who is handy as can be with arts and crafts, and you have him paint their daughter something. Commission, Randy. Okay. Personally... I like wasn't even expecting people to give gifts at either birthday. I think actually both times we said don't bring gifts. You did, which was which is a, a helpful thing, I think. Uh, I think a lot of so people. So any gift is nice. If he already had it, cool. That's another toy. Mm-hmm. Uh but like no one's gonna be like, that's not great. And then there also there are very few gifts that I've gotten where I'm like, wow, that's so out of the park. Like I I will never forget this gift in my life. For a one-year-old. Easy things to do. Like, you remember those stools we had growing up that, like, you might have had in your bathroom that had, like, your name and block letters oh, yeah. in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get her one of those. Easy. Yeah, like a, you can a get it on Etsy. step stool kind of thing, right? Yeah, but it, like, has her name. So, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry's, my, my brother's girlfriend got Fritz that for his first birthday. It was a little step stool. It's got his name, like, in little blocks that you can take out or put in. Mm-hmm. Rosie ate the R immediately. Mm-hmm. So we fucked that up. Yeah. That's the other thing. Kids, like, at, at one year old, they're going to, like, you can give them clothes. Clothes are always welcome. Love getting pajamas. It's another drop in the well. Anything with bubbles. Fritz got a bubble lawnmower his first Ooh. birthday. Mm-hmm. And he just learned to walk, so he's, like, pushing it. And, like, bubbles were, like, coming out. We loved that. A little tricycle is easy. Can't go wrong. That they, like, they don't ride. They just, like get on it and walk um what about gifts for like the parents like just roll up oh here's a bottle of wine Sarah. i think that's nice and it's like oh I know, I know who that's for. honestly yeah. first birthday parties are really more about the parents than the kids i think that's a good way to go is think about you can get a gift for like get a card for the kid get something for the parents though i think that will always be appreciated yeah and and put to use if yeah. you're like oh I'm, they're not gonna wear that pj set but the parents will drink that bottle of wine yeah, I mean, it, it, but the thing is, people, for kids, like, getting a gift, I mean, no kid is going to not play with a toy or not wear clothes. Mm-hmm. You're never going to go wrong doing it. You're never going to go wrong getting them anything. But I do think, yeah, for a first birthday, it's nice to celebrate the parents, too. They made it through a year of life without anything happening, so. Mm-hmm. Is Fritz going to use the jet ski I got him? Or am I going to have to take that? I'm not going to lie to you. We had the party 
Some people did bring gifts. I left mm-hmm. them all at Lily's house. So I don't even know what people gave us. Mm-hmm. I need to go get them today. How did the transfusions go? The transfusions were great. Okay. There was, I, I know there was some controversy. And I do think that it was the move to go with Purple Gatorade. Okay. They were less sweet, more hydrating. You could pound lots of them. I don't hate that. I'm kind of a fan of the Purple Gatorade. And they were easy to make as like a batch cocktail. Mm, very Because true. what I did, I wanted people to be able to drink them sans vodka if they wanted. So we just mixed. Mm. I think we did equal parts ginger ale and grape Gatorade. Yeah, that's going to put together a good And then beverage. like a quarter part of lime juice. Sure. I don't hate that. Well done. It's really good. You know what else I don't hate, Sally? Mm. Building a brand on Squarespace. Uh, you and your husband are intimately familiar with Squarespace, as it is the program and software which he built Sunday Scaries upon. Yes. Uh, so you see And even I can use it, which says a lot. There we go. I can like, use it too. We at Wash Media's website is built on it. It's incredible. It's easy. It's plug and play. It is the perfect software for somebody who is, call, call me computer savvy and computer literate, but nowhere near code savvy nor code literate. Right. And this makes you into a borderline expert. Um, they have product features like, oh, I don't know, analytics. Do you use analytics on a daily basis, Sally? No. Well, you would if you had a site on Squarespace. Well, I would if like my job depended on it, yeah. Maybe you have to build a brand. Sally's blankety blanks. Sure. Use insights to grow your business. Learn where your site visits and sales are coming from and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. You also connect to your social media accounts, Sally. You have some of those, right? I do have those. Display posts from your social profiles on your website. Automatically push website content to your favorite social media channels so your followers can share it too. You can also create pro-level videos, Randy, effortlessly. The Squarespace Video Studio app helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. So here's the deal. If you want to build a brand, if you have an idea, if you want to create, if you want to monetize, perhaps, Squarespace is your deal. Go to squarespace.com slash mail-in for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code mail-in to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, head to squarespace.com slash mail-in for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch that product or brand or that website, use offer code mail-in to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Ready for the next one, Sal? Yeah. Is it wrong for me, guys, to want to spend time out of work away from my coworkers? So I work 12-hour shifts four days a week with my coworkers, and I value my personal time very much. They think I don't like them because I never do anything with them. Thanks, fam. And if you ever need a place to stay in the UK, I got you from across the pond, Sally. Yeah. Do you hate your coworkers? <laughs> no, but I don't really want to spend time with them. Interesting. I, in that, okay. I feel like I'm pretty uh, adept at answering this question because I work in the medical field where it, it's very like, 
a very tight knit group of people. Okay. Whereas it might be more difficult for you to answer this question, given the fact that you only work with five people. It is impossible for me to answer this. So question. I'm going to say how I have been approaching work since I started being a nurse. Um, when I worked in the ICU, there was a very much like mentality of us against the world because you are going through stuff that no one else really understands. Mm -hmm. I think that that is the whole point of work friends is like you are spending time with people who for at least 40 hours a week are doing things that no one else besides your coworker gets. Um, so, you know, in the medicine and especially in the ICU, it was like, we are going through all this like shit and trauma and, emotions and burnout and things like that together that people who don't work our job don't get in the same vein as like the five of you do shit that I have just no understanding of. I mean, like kind of obviously, cause I'm sitting here reporting, recording a podcast and I like am married to Will, but you know, even in some of the day to day stuff, like it's hard for me to really understand. Sure. Which is why it's nice to have, friends who are coworkers. But on the flip side, I also really think that it's important to have a balance outside of that and to have friends outside of your work, even if it's like, maybe you have a friend group and like one of the people that's in the friend group is a coworker, mm -hmm. but it becomes a little toxic if the only people you're hanging out with, you also work with so that when y'all go out, the only thing you talk about is work. Mm -hmm. and bitching about work or talk like gossiping about work or this and that. And that for me, when I worked in the ICU in Houston, I would go out with work friends, but I tried to limit the amount of time that I did it to, I would say like 25% of my social time Okay, because I found that when we would go out, especially like it would be very noticeable when we would bring significant others or something. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is it. That's all you can talk about today is like, what you did and oh, th this and that. Like I know Will for sure gets burnt out on that because I, when I go out with my parents who are in the medical field, we talk about stuff and then mm -hmm. Will's like, okay, seriously. And it is, it's not, it is important and nice to have people who understand what you're going through. Sure. Um, but it's also very easy to burn out because you spend so much time already doing your job. And then if you are using all of your social time, to hang out with people from work, then you don't ever get an escape. Mm -hmm. So for me, I felt very good about the fact that I maintained, I mean, and it was a little easier for me when I moved to Houston, a lot of my college friends were still there. So I was also actively hanging out with them. It wasn't like I moved to a city and the only friends I had were work friends. Cause yeah. I think that that's a really common trap that people get stuck in. Of A hundred percent. I was um, going to mention that after, after this. But I think I kind of got flack from my coworkers for being like, mm. oh, you never come out with us, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was just like, I can't. Like, But also, it was more to protect my own mental health because I knew that if I got stuck in that thinking of like, okay, I'm going to go, we're going to go out for drinks after work and like all we're going to do is bitch about work, then I would burn out really quickly. And the times that I really hated my job, I was closest to my coworkers because we okay. were like in the thick of it. Like anybody who works in the medical field knows like the winter sucks, like flu is happening. All of these things are happening. So you're really busy. 
And that's when we would like all hunker down and hang out together and like us against the world. But you also like hated your fucking job because you were just constantly complaining about it. Yeah. So if your coworkers are giving you shit, you don't owe them anything, but also know that like if you, you don't have to explain to them that like I'm protecting my, myself, my personal time, love, love to see you during the work week, but like. And I'm like that now. I have like one friend at work. I mean, I have friends at work, but like one close friend at work that I spend time with outside of work. And the good thing about it is I like when we hang out outside of work, we're also with other people who don't do what we do. And it's very easy to just step into the like we're friends, not work friends, you know? Yep, absolutely. And I was going to say my advice for for this guy here would be I, I do think you make an effort at some point during the month or during the week to, hey, let's go grab a beer or, or whatever that social interaction outside work with a coworker is. Maybe it's a lunch even. Yeah. But just to get something work adjacent on the discussion plate. Yeah. I think that goes a long way in team building and and mentorship and uh, building a, a rapport with these people. It doesn't just have to be over Teams or Slack or Zoom or in the office. Yeah. And I, I do think that is valuable because some of the best – uh, the bet, like for example, this is a tough question for me to answer because I've worked for the Broncos, Barstool, and here. My work environments are basically glorified frat houses times three. Yeah. Um, I have very little corporate structure that I've ever worked in or dealt with. I have very little people outside of people very much like me from a sports and and guy standpoint. So it's uh, everywhere I've worked, I've developed extremely close friends because yeah. that's just kind of how the cookies crumbled for me. But I went to a place uh, a couple months ago at Oracle where it's like the campus and there's a million different people walking around a million different shapes and sizes and colors. And like, it is this place that I was like, man, I, I would love to do that someday to yeah. have a, a campus full of people. Cause I, I been probably jaded into thinking that I would be friends with all of them because that's how my experience has been. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know how to deal with something like that where people in my life are just coworkers and that's it because they become friends. And I, I do like, I, I would enjoy going out with my coworkers at Barstool. A lot of the times we would do a happy hour and that's where like ideation would happen. And we would action those days and weeks after, and it would lead to sales or it would lead to revenue generation or it would lead to followers or, or a, a content idea. And so I just I look at this like social time outside of work for me often leads to progress at work with my coworkers. And that's why I'm I'm scared to be like, yeah, just never see him. But I also think that it's really important if you want that boundary to set that boundary because mm-hmm. I think it's a bad precedence to set that you are going to be available all the time and mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. only way that you are able to do well at a company or move up within a company or et cetera, is if you're also socializing outside of the time that you're supposed to be working. And that to me is like saying that you're not able to have a work-life balance if you want it. I think I'm not saying that you don't have a work-life balance. I'm saying that I think your work-life balance is a lot more blurred into like one spectrum. Right. Because it's, it's because of just the nature of your job. But I think some people really value like being able to go home and totally decompress and not Mm -hmm. think about 
whatever it is they're doing. A hundred percent. And I think that those people both exist. Like you would, uh, honestly, Brett, if you worked in the medical field, you would be one of the ICU hardos who like all of your best friends were in the ICU and that's mm -hmm. okay. It's important for to both of us to exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think first of all, self-acceptance is going to help with that. Like not, not that this guy doesn't, I mean, he clearly like understands that personal time is worth it, but mm. the only person who has a problem with it in the long run is you. Like as long as you're not, if you're content, who cares? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's, and I think it, we talk about our fields. I think it varies by field. Yeah. A, a billion percent. If you're in recruiting, it's like you're a socializer for, for, your right. job basically or in real estate like you need to be out and about in in sourcing these things right if you're in the medical field it's different if you're in a sort of a solitary job it's different um I, if you're just totally remote and work from home yeah it, maybe you want a little more social interaction with your coworkers outside of your living room and, and microsoft teams like yeah i think it all depends on what you're doing but ultimately socializing with your coworkers depending on your field can be can be positive but like you said there's a boundary that's important to set and it's okay point. it's okay to be both people it's yeah. okay for your only friends to be from work it's okay <laughs> if you aren't friends with anybody at work mm -hmm. i do like it too because i think a lot of work friends have turned into their friends are my friends now. right so that's always especially with like in a new city that yeah. helps uh let's do the next one so Hi, mailing crew, longtime fan, first time writer. My boyfriend, 24, and I, 23, have been dating for two and a half years. It's been a crazy few years of our lives since we met. Lots of change, but things are mostly good. We're happy. And most importantly, I really, really love him. Recently, however, whenever we talk about the future, growing up or in the direction of our relationship, he kind of freaks out, keeps emphasizing that he loves his 20s and isn't ready to talk about that stuff. Not asking for commitment or any decisions i'm asking for a conversation i've heard it all about guys don't mature as fast as girls and have always been on the more mature side what advice do you guys have about this conversation am i asking too much for this stage in our relationship if you were 28 and 29 i'd say totally deserves a conversation you're 23 and 24 i think you have some living left to do now, i'm not saying to break up i'm not saying you need to move in tomorrow i'm there's there's just like a what conversation are you trying to have it's like where yeah. are we going and it's like well how about we date each other because we like each other it's i don't think you necessarily at that age depending on life circumstances i don't think you need to know exactly where things are going at 23 and 24. i agree with that i think as someone who is very much um like type a and likes to be in control and mm -hmm needs to know answers i i understand why this is bothering her um in my opinion i don't think like again i agree at 23 24 do you need to be dating to marry like probably not is that not saying that like you could it, the, meet your soulmate or even if you believe in that or the one that you're going to marry at 23 24 absolutely you can um i don't know that it needs a lot of pressure on it to be like, where are we going? What, you know, when are we getting engaged? Things like that. But I also think completely avoiding the subject to me is a little bit of a red flag. And I agree with you. We kind of need to know the context of the conversations. Like if mm -hmm. I was 23 
And I look back at that now, I was so young and had no clue what I was doing. But had I been in a relationship that was really serious or been dating someone for two and a half years, I'd kind of want to know like, hey, like, are we, you know, do you want to move in together or like anything like that? Again, now looking back at that, at the, 10 years older than that, I look back and I'm like, wow, I needed to know myself. And so I think for this girl, it's really important for two things. One, like, what are the conversations you're trying to have? Are y'all like, for me, it's like, are we going to conversations that absolutely cannot be avoided are like, if one of you, like, say she's 23, was like graduating college and thinking about moving somewhere else. I was just going to say that's a conversation like, Hey, like, are we going to live in the same city? Are we going to keep dating? Like, that's a, yeah, we need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, talking about marriage, I think, Again, I if I was dating someone for two and a half years, regardless of whether or not we met in high school or college, I'd want to know they were open to marriage. I don't have to know that we're doing it anytime soon. And maybe that is freaking this guy out, like that she's trying to bring that up. But I also think that a mature person who really like loves her would at least like consider that. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. I, I, I think it's hard to know without the context of how it's bringing, getting totally brought Totally agree. I, I hundred percent agree. It's, this is a good time to say, Hey, do we want to live in the same place? Yeah. Do we want to work in the same place? I think it's early to be like, do we want to live in the same apartment? Do we yeah. want to get engaged in the next year? Do we want to be married by 25? I think that's too, too, not necessarily too early in the context of a relationship. Two and a half years is fine for that with no matter how old you are, but it's, it's like, there's no rush here for this. And what I think she deserves is maybe a path, like a, hey, I'm not just going to be this wild card here. I'm not just yeah. going to come home and tell you it's over. I'm not going to come home and tell you I'm moving to Paris or San Diego or wherever. I'm going to be in this – I'm committed to this relationship. Yeah. But do, do, why, do we need to rush into – responsibility or or like these life stages i guess personally i completely agree with you i think at that age you just let it ride like mm -hmm. you you live your life you're in a relationship you're still going out with friends half of those friends are single half of them are seeing people you just maintain your relationship you're probably not living together but you're probably spending the night at each other's houses all the time mm -hmm. going on trips together having fun because in my view, at 23, even if I thought I was ready to get married, I was not ready to get married. Yeah, 100%. And so my thought process is, if you're not ready to get married, like, why are you pushing it with this guy? And if you think in some way, like, okay, I might want to marry him down the line. Okay, great. Keep dating him. If you know in your heart, like, I don't want to marry him, but I'm having fun, also keep dating him. Who cares? But... I, I like, to me, this isn't a, like, I said red flag earlier. I'm like, I, you should, at, at two and a half years, you should be pretty comfortable with each other, like talking about this stuff. Yep. But I also want to stress the, like, you do need to approach it with the, like, this is a no pressure. I just want to know what your thoughts are about the future. Like, you know, what, where do you want to be 10 years from now? And it's not like a, I need to know right now so that I can decide if I'm going to like marry you or not. If you don't want to have seven kids with me in like 
live in a whatever. But mm-hmm. I think that's just a, we've been dating for two and a half years and like, this is the kind of stuff we talk about randomly in depth. But the, if, the way it's a problem for me is if like y'all are going out, you're getting drunk and then you're like, why aren't we moving in together? That that's an, yeah, that's, that shouldn't be happening. Like, you just, you got to let that go. And I, I also say that with love because I think even if you don't end up with this guy, like, and you meet the love of your life tomorrow, you probably still shouldn't marry him at 23 either. Mm-hmm. I, you I know agree. what I'm saying? I totally, I totally. And I like, I dissect her question a little bit here. Um, she said, whenever we talk about the future growing up or the direction of our relationship. And then she also says, I'm not asking for commitment or decisions. I'm asking for a conversation. It sounds like that's sort of like a, a, a dumbed, not dumbed down, but like a, a, a less aggressive way of saying she, no, she wants to know. She like, she's saying that in the question, but I, I feel like she wants to know. She wants right. like a plan. She wants and that, answers. That and I is think really it's, hard for people. Oh, if yeah, if you're if you're like that, if you're, absolutely. If you like control, and yeah, especially if you've been in a relationship with someone for two and a half years. Now, I'm going to say this too: you met when you were she was twenty. Twenty, yeah. He was twenty-one. Like you were definitely met in college. Mm-hmm. Great to have college sweethearts. In my opinion, those years do not count towards courtship. Interesting. Okay. I mean, they do, but like the person you are in college is like not a real adult. No offense. But like, and even maybe the first two years post-grad are not even real adulthood. It's like when you go off and you are like making new friends fully on your own, whatever, that is like adulthood. And so getting like, you have to think like, what would my life be like if we broke up? And I started dating someone new, like that's going to be a whole different type of relationship than what it was when we first met at whatever mixer we met at. Mm-hmm. That's just a whole different type of relationship. And you need to experience that without the context of like, we're going to get married, like give it time to be adults. Yeah. There is absolutely nothing wrong with living in the present is in a relationship. And like I if you if you're worried because I think my head keeps going back to if I was 23 and like I'd be like, "Well, I don't want to waste 2 years of my life." Mm-hmm. If you do, you'll be 25. And it's okay. That's still so young. And it's you learn a and whole lot learn, about yourself. You learn how to be a better partner, you learn how to be a better boyfriend, girlfriend, blankety blank friend. You just you learn a lot. Yeah. No matter how long, short, fulfilling terrible future or or past relationships you learn so much and you grow so much and i think that's hugely important like if i was the boyfriend i am now at 18 when i had my first like serious serious girlfriend i'm 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 two completely different people yeah and i think at 23 and 28 i'm still two generally different people and so i think it's okay to not have the date by date plan life plan laid out with somebody and so i think my suggestion would be to um take each day as like that's that's a relationship as a day by day thing yeah and just go from there and then build upon that but 
no need to to plan your next nine years of life at 23. Yeah. Yes. I agree. You know what else sometimes I can't plan for, Sally? What? My meals. Because sometimes I'm, I'm just on the go. Yeah. If you're on the go, we talk about meals a lot on here. We talk about cooking a lot on here. We have some sponsors that are, are, are a little different here. But factor is my to-go meal. Can I just add a little anecdote to this? Hop in. Our across-the-street neighbors had a factor box outside their door. Really? Yesterday. And I literally was like, <laughs> we got a factor box, and they had delivered it to the wrong door. I was so pumped. Oh, no. I walked over there thinking it was ours. It was for our neighbor. No. <laughs> stole the box off her porch. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, damn it, I thought that was for us. Oh, no. Well, this spring... You, Sally, and Sally's neighbor need- My neighbors enjoying the hell out of it, just like I am. You guys need nutritious, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, active days and keep you on track reaching your goals. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Can fuel you, help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals and deliver it straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. It's the perfect- Busy on the go. I got to get a lunch in. I got to get a quick dinner. And then what I used to do is have factor meals before hockey because I didn't want to clean up a bunch. I didn't want to cook a bunch. Boom. Hockey. Throw it in the, in the microwave or the oven. Bada bang. I'm in hockey. Uh, my my across the hall neighbor who has factor too mm-hmm. uh, is, all, is a nurse. I always see her in scrubs, which this makes perfect sense. If you're a healthcare worker and you don't want to eat the gross hospital food that makes you feel like shit, mm-hmm. this is the perfect thing to bring, stick in the fridge, and then you heat it up. You know you're getting a healthy meal and you're not going to like feel disgusting for the rest of the day. Exactly. And and you don't have to – it's so much work when you come home from a 12-hour shift to have to think about – making a meal for tomorrow's lunch, which is why we don't do it. And then we treat our bodies like crap. And especially for medical workers, like we know better and we still do it. This takes that dread out of your hands and just has a meal for you ready to go. 100%. 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options. And there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like egg bites and more, and not to mention their smoothie stuff. Are you kidding me, Sally? We do have the factor smoothies. Their smoothie situation is awesome. Absolutely awesome. So head to factormeals.com slash steam50 and use code steam50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, Code STEAM50 at factormeals.com slash STEAM50 to get 50% off your first box. Last one, Sally. Are you ready? I am ready. Sally, my husband and I are going to Italy for our honeymoon. Ciabella. Right? Yeah. After hearing about it on Sunday Scaries, we hired Lux and Nick to plan it. Nice. But I'd love any general travel tips for the long flight things to bring or not bring, et cetera. Okay. Um, Yeah. Go back and listen to that episode on Sunday Scaries because we talked about a lot of the stuff that we did in Italy, although if you're not going to the Amalfi Coast or to Tuscany, it might not fully apply. Mm -hmm. But when I read this question before, here are the the tips that I have that I think made our life easier and the things that I would avoid. So uh, Will and I talked about this at length. I know he's talked about this before. We carried on for 
did a 10 full plus 10 days day carry in on. Europe. I, having done that now, would absolutely suggest doing that to anybody who can. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it, like, this was also like he had to pack a tux, I had to pack a wedding dress, like not a wedding dress, but a dress for the wedding, two formal dresses actually. Um, and we still did it. One of us, I mean, we both carried carry-ons and then I carried um, a garment bag as my like personal item and he carried a backpack. If even if I didn't have to like bring the tux and stuff, that would have been even easier. But first of all, it's your honeymoon. Like you think you need to have all these cute outfits and you absolutely can. But like I had like a different outfit for every day. That was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like pick like two or three cute outfits that you really want to like showcase on the Grom when you're taking pictures and then pack easy shit that's going to like wear well and wear again. Sure. So like easy t-shirt dresses, t-shirts, jean shorts or pants that can you can wear multiple times or wash if you can find a place to wash clothes um, so that you're not having to like have like a cute, I would, and I mean, I get it as a girl, I was like, I'm going to go shopping and we get all these like little coordinating sets and I'm going to wear them. And then it was like, that was dumb. And it led to so much extra weight that we didn't need. Mm-hmm. That being said, we did the 10 day carry on thing because we got vacuum seal bags Oh yeah. and packed in them and then vacuum sealed. everything. Those are like the, the innovation that I've seen most frequently over the last probably two to three years of travel Vacuum bags are are here to stay. So here's the tips I have for using them because I think the biggest worry was like, are things going to wrinkle? Yes, things are going to wrinkle, but if you fold them and then the way that you, you basically like put them in this bag and then there's like a little pump and I would like sit on the bag to keep everything flat and then pump the air out instead of just like pumping the air out willy nilly and like letting it go into a ball. Right. Um, and then also depending on where you're traveling, call ahead or like ask ahead about a steamer, an iron, et cetera. Yeah. And Lux and Nitch can probably help with that yeah, as well. And most, pretty much every place that we went had a steamer and iron. The only place we had to check was we went to the villa for the wedding we were going to. And it, we, it was like not a hotel, but I was also like, we're going to be at a wedding. There's no way that there's not going to be a steamer there, which when there you, was. When you walked in, were you like, there's a couple of bombshells walking into the villa? No. No, you didn't say that? No, I did not. Uh, so do use the uh, vacuum seal bags. Bring the little pump with you. It's literally not that big at all. It's like maybe two Coke cans stacked length- lengthwise. Mm-hmm. Easy to throw in your bag. But but pack thing. I mean, take get two or three cute outfits that you know you're gonna, you know, feature. But again, your spouse, no offense, is not gonna notice what the hell you're wearing. Like. I would put on cute outfits. Will wouldn't even like think twice about it. Honestly, probably the only thing he noticed was like, you have worn a new outfit. How much money did you spend (laughs) buying shit for this honeymoon? Uh You don't need like eight swimsuits. Bring two, maybe three. You have one wall that's drying while you're using the other one. You don't need a different. Because the thing is like no one at the resort is even being like, oh my God, that girl's like wearing the cutest outfit for this 10th day in a row. Like. No. Same cover up, same shawl, right? I mean, or like two or three. Yeah. You don't need a million. Bring a hat, but make sure it's not an annoying ass hat that you're not going to want to travel with. I like brought a hat and clipped it on. Oh, there you go. Uh, to a, a carry on bag. Uh, I like that. Okay. And then for the carry on, especially for a long haul flight, here are my like absolute most essentials. Um, 
compression socks, mm. which you may not think that you need because you're young and you're not like pregnant or have blood clots or circulation problems or anything like that. Is was like what they tell most people who need compression socks. But it's like a, I mean, if you're doing a nonstop flight, it's about nine hours at the very least. So you want to have compression socks. You also want to like get up and move around. Logan Roy should have had those. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that would have stopped him from having a heart attack, but it... I think it was pulmonary embolism, according to the internet. Sure. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) They never said it on the episode. That's true. Uh, Also, um, do do bring skincare. I did a ton of research beforehand because we were connecting through airports, which is also why... It's important to carry on, I think, because if you have connecting flights, you don't want to be connecting and then get to your destination and they've lost your bag. No. Because then you're going to have to like go back to Rome or whatever and like figure it out and not have a bag, which is why I liked having it with me. But that did lead to some skincare things because Europe is a lot stricter about liquids than we are. Oh, interesting. Although some of those rules have changed. So last summer when we were traveling in the UK, you could only have like a eight inch by eight inch plastic bag they had mm. to seal with mm. all of your uh, liquids in it. And wow. they had to okay. be less than three ounces. Uh, I think that has changed, mm-hmm. but look it up. It's not like I have never, ever one time had an issue with liquids through going through TSA. Like, I don't think so either. Unless I like literally forgot about a water unless bottle. Unless I like yeah. have a giant ass water bottle, like, but oh, anything sorry. under four ounces, I don't even like take out. I just like it's in there. I think the one, the only thing I ever get scared about and get stopped or not stopped, depending on the day, is my hair product. Because it's like a, a jar that's about that big of like yeah. clay hair yeah. products. So, but in Europe, they're a lot stricter about it. So research what airports you're going to be going into and out of mm, because okay. you're going to want to pack less. And honestly, especially if you're in Italy or France or really anywhere in Europe, there's some stuff that like their skincare is better there. So like mm, you don't you have go. to bring a bunch of shit because you could just go to a pharmacy when you're there and get, get stuff. some samples. Like that's what I didn't bring sunscreen. I was like, I'm just going to buy it when we get there. We like just that. went to a pharmacy and got some. Um, but do bring stuff on the flight because it's very drying. I brought several like face masks, uh, lots of heavy duty moisturizer, things like that. There you um, go. I'm going to say something that I don't think is very controversial, but pack snacks. I think people are like, oh, oh like okay. they're going to feed me on this flight. They do in theory, but. Will got like major tummy problems for 24 hours. Really? From, from the flight. Yeah. Oh, no. Poor Will. Yeah. And- <laughs> Will Pesco, they did that to him? Well, he did. He did eat like. The fucking short rib or something. So yeah, be careful like, with a short rib on it. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Flight. Like always get the vegetarian option. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. most of the time, like all of that is like highly processed things like that. And I'm not saying don't eat it. I'm just saying like pack snacks that you would want to eat in case like whatever they serve you looks a little sus. I go I go the airport food route. Have a I'd have a big dinner in the airport before you leave because in theory you're probably leaving late. And, yeah. And trying to take advantage of the the night kind of situation. Yeah. So you have a big dinner before you leave and pack some overnight snacks if you need it. Yeah. That's it, it, ideal scenario. Obviously, that's and then, easier. And then about. load up on, I mean, bring noise-canceling headphones. And then if you have a Kindle or an iPad or whatever you're bringing, like 
preload a bunch of shit because you don't know if the Wi-Fi is always going to work or not. Like, I think on our way there, our Wi-Fi wasn't working the whole time. Oh, that's got to be fucking miserable. Which, like, was fine because we were, like, also sleeping and we had, like, the in-flight entertainment, but Will's TV was broken. Oh, (laughs) jeez. He couldn't, like, get it to stay up. Uh, But it was fine because he had, like, already downloaded, like, 18 different shows on his iPad. Do you have an airport snack order? Or like a like like a road trip snack order. I always get the same thing. Do you have an airport snack order that you always get? Um, no. I well at Austin Airport we always go to Taco Deli. Oh, so you like go you go meal meal. Uh in the morning we'll go get an auto from Taco Deli. Okay. I don't hate if that. If the line isn't like insanely long. I am a uh, I eat Cheez Its basically once only one spot, and that's in an airport. Uh-huh. I eat crispy M&M's in one spot, and that's an airport. And I drink ginger ale on one spot, and that's a flight. I do drink ginger ale on flights. Um, Can't explain it. The other thing I was going to say is for any travel, especially if you don't know what the pharmacy situation is going to be, bring any meds that you, like, may think you would ever need. So I'm not talking about, like, you don't need to bring, like, fucking blood pressure medicine that if you don't have high blood pressure. But, like mm-hmm. – Get, if you can get your hands on it or get someone to prescribe it to you, get some anti-nausea like Zofran. Um, get, especially if you're a female, bring Azo or some sort of something for a UTI just in case you get one. Ooh, you don't want to be okay. like battling with that. Bring some sort of like steroid cream, like a hydrocortisone for like bug bites, things like that. Oh, Neosporin. Yeah. Well, like, bring a first most aid of that stuff you can get. Yeah. But like you do not want to be on a plane having a UTI and dealing with no. that. So like oh God, if no. that, if there's any like medical things, if you know that you suffer from motion sickness, like get someone to prescribe you some anti-nausea. Things like that that you know like I've had this once. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're going to a third world country or like just somewhere with bad water, there are a lot more things you should bring. I'm not going to go into that right now because we're talking Probably about some Italy. shots you should get too. No, but like there are there is stuff like Cipro and stuff that you should take with you just in case you yes. get Montezuma's yes, yes, revenge. Yes. Um, bring stuff like that that you might not have like easy access to. There you go. I think that, that covers it. And some Xanax if you can get that prescribed too. Yeah. Great for flights. On Honestly, on the flight, the best thing to do about the jet lag is like – it's really exciting to be like going somewhere and be like, I'm going to have wine and not watch a movie. Like the, honestly, the best thing you can do is like get on, knock yourself out and use the time to sleep. I have never once followed those directions, but that's a great time to use melatonin or any other prescription drugs that will make you sleep that you can. If you have a prescription for Ambien or Xanax, do not mix, do not take Ambien for the first time on a flight. Oh, do not do it. Don't pull a John Mayer, red wine and Ambien. If you have, don't let the first time you ever take a prescription sleep, sleeping pill or like Xanax or something like that, (laughs) be on a flight because it will affect you immensely different than it would if you were at regular altitude. Interesting. So I have had, I have had multiple friends who have taken Ambien for the first time on a transatlantic flight and like full on hallucinated. That's wild. So if you are going to take Ambien, make sure that you have taken Ambien before. Good call. I had one time. And probably I, you don't need the dose to be as high. I had a a thirteen hour flight one time, and I did like half a Xanax right before, and I was out like light. Yeah, Benadryl, Zequil, melatonin, all work. Are you talking about a Drake song yeah. right now? Okay, I just 
That'll do it. Acknowledge that. For the Mail-In Podcast, please subscribe, rate five stars, review, tell a friend about the show. Hit the hotline number 888-362-MAIL. That's 888-362-6245. Or you can write in at the link in the Twitter bio at Mail-In Podcast. Sally, where can the people find you? Sally DeFreeze on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Schmerriman on both of those platforms. I think I said last week I'm at Brett Merriman on both of those platforms. I'm not. At Schmerriman. Twitter, Instagram. That's Rennie Trimbacki on the ones and twos. Uh, Thank you guys for listening this week. We'll see you all next week. Bye.